0: Hi folks, I'm Larry. You're now listening to Larry. This is our monthly podcast where we're going to be interviewing some experts who can add some value to your real estate life. Today we'd like to welcome a good friend. I'd like to think a good friend. I hope he feels the same way. Matt Lancashire. Um, Matt and his partner Hazley Cush run one of the best businesses in um certainly in Queensland, and in my view, probably the best business in Brisbane at the moment. Their, their primary office is the Ray White New Farm franchise, huge office in excess of 100 people with really widespread, uh, great reputation. I believe that um, Hazley and Matt now have also taken an interest in Bulimba, and I think, is it Castle Hill? East Brisbane. East Brisbane is the other one that you've now and launched Hill. into. And Spring Hill. So um, this, this is like Genghis Khan's hordes. They are, they are controlling Brisbane, but they're doing it so well that I think uh, their growth is just going to be continuous and, and never-ending. We'll ask about that in a little bit of time. Over the past five years... I think Matt's established himself as one of the best agents in Brisbane, and I suppose it wouldn't be too bold to say probably the best agent or the most successful agent. Best is an interesting word because it implies different things, but success leaves clues and you certainly have the numbers on the board. Um, Your career awards are too numerous to mention individually, but it's suffice to say, that there's, there's little more for you to achieve other than a bit like Roger Federer, you can do it all again. So um, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Larry. Let's start at the beginning. I think people are, f- are finding it interesting to find out what makes successful people tick. So met the family man. Family man. How, many, how many wives do you have? How many kids do you have? And share whatever you like. Only one beautiful
1: wife, actually. So about everyone says that I bat well above my average, which I genuinely believe that myself. Um, Three young children, uh, the youngest being eighteen, or the youngest being ten months, and the eldest being five. So starts prep this year. Right. Um, So it's fair to say it's quite busy at home at the moment. Three kids. Boys, girls. Eldest is a boy, little girl, and a boy. Boy, girl, boy. So I'd like one more just to. And then I think
0: we'll be done. Well, I think that's very wise. We've got three boys and in hindsight, we should have had a fourth. Yeah. I think because the eldest two, my eldest two were really close together in age. They were great mates, mm-hmm. but the little fella followed on five years after, after Tiger and he was sort of an only child. We should have had somebody for company for him. Well, I just think if you have a really tight family and four
1: kids, whether it be three, four, you have a tight family, you actually don't need that many friends. So I want to keep it really tight and um, just enjoy the family life.
0: With that many kids, you'll keep the friends away, trust me. Absolutely. <laughs> they'll, they'll come back to you at some point in future. Now, one of my questions was going to be, what does a great family holiday look like to you? But when your kids are that small, it's a bit of a moot question because it's probably simplicity. Simplicity. So. A wise friend of mine
1: once told me, depending on the age of your child, that's how far you should fly with them. So if the yep. child's one, fly an hour. If the child's two, two hours yep. and no more. But um, we love the beach. We love the Gold Coast. Yep. Um, so the perfect holiday for us is um, down the Gold Coast. We spend a significant significant amount of time down here. Um, if I ever sold up um, in Brisbane, Ray White, all my businesses, I'd be
0: um, knocking on your door to come and sell beach <laughs> from <laughs> at secret, Hedges Avenue. Right. I think it's fair to say you keep almost a permanent rental down here that you use on weekends, don't you? You uh, seem to be across the road often. We're, 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 we spend quite a bit of time yes. uh, down in uh, Mermaid Beach. We love it. It's, our, it's my second, second home. Fantastic. Okay, so now your wife's clearly very busy with three small kids. You're an exceptionally busy fellow. I know what it takes to run a, a big office, and yours is extremely big. Do you have time for yourself, like sort of fitness program, sport? Do you have time for anything? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's it's.
1: I think it looks busier from the outside in, but uh, I'm quite a structured person, so all of my time is allocated really effectively. Um, I used to uh, run around like a headless chicken before Hazel and I merged our business partnership together. Um, I really struggled, like really, really struggled. I went. For, I bought the business with about 40 staff. And took it to ninety. I started to miss meetings. I started to be the guy that was too busy, and you know, it it was starting. It was taking its toll. I was selling. I was managing. I ran a, a. I started a rent roll. All of those things, and it was. I was trying to wear too many hats, Um, and it got to a point where I was faced with the reality of, what do I love to do? Because I wasn't loving it. I, I actually hated it. I hated, you know, dealing with angry vendors because I wasn't getting back to them. buyers that I couldn't get in touch with because I was spending too much time and I'd be calling people at, at 10 o'clock at night and I just lost all of my freedom that I had. Um, and I spoke to a few mentors that are, that are really close to me in the real estate um, industry and I was faced with the, the reality of doing one of three things and one of those was getting rid of all of the staff um and scaling back and just becoming a profitable you know one man band sort of thing um or um selling was another option and just becoming a salesperson which crossed my mind really big time that's interesting um and then the third was bringing a partner um to do all of the things that would allow me to sell because i love it and to help me on the ground to manage and um yeah, I was fortunate enough to do that so when we've got a really hazley and i have a, a very 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 good business relationship we know our roles really well we don't try to do each other's roles so um i don't get involved with his um he loves going to qcat he thinks he's harvey specter um <laughs> and um i couldn't think of anything worse than right. um dealing with all of that and um we 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 split the time with the staff and you know some people like the the, uh, the captain on the field which I do and I still sell and he's the coach on the sidelines and um, it's a really really great relationship and it's, it's it's been super successful in the last two years and you know we don't question each other we just get the job done so um, back to your original question having that partnership with Hazley has allowed me to do the things that I want to do I, 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 I holiday regularly so I take two months off a year um every quarter in our in our agreement so our shareholder agreement we have to take a week off every quarter just to recharge um we're very in tune with each other's um you know whether they're looking tired or whatnot and you know we we, we're very open with each other so um i train every morning i um i have a pt that i see three times a week just to keep me motivated. I always do something, like I set a big, hairy, audacious goal every year. And I ran a marathon last year.
0: Fantastic.
1: Um, not really, it was awful. Um, <laughs> um, but no, it was just, you know, we, we, I like to be structured and allocate time. So I have time for my family, time for my team, time for myself,
0: time for fitness. Uh, and I think that's really important. I think there's a lesson to be learned here. For all of the, the young real estate agents listening to this, I think, take a leaf from this book, so many of the young fellas want to be principals. They see running an office as the be-all and end-all and it's to their detriment. So instead of building a great business and then moving into something that they can manage, they try and do both and do neither well. Well, it's two. You know, you become
1: ambitious and you think, you know, oh, I could do that or, you yeah. know, oh, they must be rolling in it. And it's, um, look, if you do it well, and there's people that go in and do it well, but there's so many at the moment that are closing the doors because they can't make it work. And you've got to know why you want to do it. Yes. And if um, you're not a good people manager, you're not a, a, if you don't care if you're a salesperson, and look, let's be honest, if, if you want to be a good salesperson, you sort of have to be a selfish little shit as well. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a good s- salesperson, and that yes. was me. Um, but you, know, you lose all of your rights when you become a principal. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with everyone else. And, um, you know, it's a big transition to make. And, you know, some do it really well and some, you know, I've seen a lot of people go into becoming a principal and selling two, three years later and going back and being a salesperson. Absolutely. Because uh, being a salesperson, if you're a good salesperson, it's far more profitable than being a principal. And and a completely different skill set. Totally. And and look, Mm. a salesperson should make more than the principal, but they've got
0: to go out and do it. Absolutely. Yep, couldn't agree more there. So I suppose the, the thought that I'd also like to instill in some of our listeners here is we've, this is our third interview with out, an outstanding real estate. The other two um, you've probably listened to being Sammy Guo and Troy Dowker. And hopefully what you'll get from this is that the best agents do some things similarly. There's a common denominator that runs through great performance and The people that I'm speaking to after these podcasts are saying to me, what's the difference between these guys? And that's for them to work out. Each of the great agents has their own unique personality, and what they bring to the table is slightly different to the others, but are all great, successful agents. So for the agents that are good wanting to become great, they must listen for the common denominators here. So before we get into the real estate thing, please let's go back to the beginning because it's really interesting. What brought you to real estate in the first instance? You were how old, doing what, and how did that happen? Uh, look, I fell
1: into it by chance, actually. So I was at school. I wasn't exactly the, um, the smartest um, kid getting around. I come from a very bright family. My brother's a surgeon, my father's a surgeon. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, I didn't get that gene. And um, I got a, a different gene, though, called emotional intelligence. And my mother is very street smart, and, um, and I think that's a really <coughs> underrated um, uh, uh, tool to have, because at the end of the day at school, they only teach, there's this big emphasis on doing well, what OP you're gonna get, what job are you gonna do, you know, and I had mates of mine who were the ducks of the school, the ducks of chemistry, the ducks yes. of physics, the ducks of maths B, um and were the ducks and were the, the captain of the first 15 and and they've gone on to do nothing and it's um i think that there's this high expectation i've got a few issues with the, the whole schooling system around that and i think there's got to be more of an imp, uh, you know importance placed on the emotional side and you know and that's where i think i really let down was let down at school um maybe that's just because i've got a horrible op and i'm trying to blame <laughs> someone for that but um I came out of school and um, didn't know what I wanted to do. I was playing a lot of tennis and just probably trying to hide from, oh, my God, of realities hitting. What, I, what am I going to do with my life? And my, fam- my mother pushed me into becoming an electrician. And um, so I did a, an electrical apprenticeship, um, which was one of the best things that I ever did because it, with real estate now, looking back in hindsight, it gave me a really good insight into... Construction, how houses are built, and an understanding that most people don't have. And I can, I've been on building sites um, for years, and I just know how things are put together. Yes. And you know, if you can build a connection with someone based on, you know, knowing something that they love, and when you build a house or you go into someone's house that's built it, and you can start talking about P50 shadow line or, you know, what sort of light fittings they are, or whether it's suspended slab concrete, architectural things. Um, you're ahead of your competition so it was invaluable for me to do that but at the time I absolutely hated it so I knew very quickly that that wasn't for me and one of the pivotal moments that that changed my mind which made me get out of being an electrician was I was sitting in a lunchroom where there was a, another one of the other contractors was in there and he was around 65 years old and he looked really down and I just asked him what's going on are you, are you okay And he said, oh, no, I was planning on going to uh, Kingscliff Camping with my family and an unforeseen bill's just come through and I've got to cancel it. And this is a gentleman that's 65, worked his whole life and had to cancel a camping trip with his Mm. family because of an unforeseen bill. And I thought that was a moment where I just said, hey, that's not me. And I, I think about him regularly about, you know, what do I need to do to get ahead so I'm not that guy? Um, and I was fortunate enough that I bought a house and when I was young, when I was 17, um, on apprentice wages and struggled and did renovations over the time to it and my mate and I decided to sell it and we had an experience with an agent which was not so great um, and I, this was my first taste of real estate. Um, we set a reserve, we had 100 groups through the property and um, it didn't sell and I needed to sell because I wanted to go overseas with the cash. And um, I asked the agent whether I could call through the inspection list to try and find a buyer because there was no one. And I ended up getting four offers and selling it for ten thousand um, dollars. And <coughs> I went overseas and um, came back with zero money. And at that point of time, Hazley Cush was—he um, bought Ray White New Farm, and he was absolutely desperate for staff. He had four hundred square meters and six people working <laughs> in there and um, at that point of time was when there was no debit credits um, and um, so I just got a phone, here's your desk, here's your patch, good luck and uh, it took me nine months to make my first sale. So Even after the first start of oh being man, able that to was, sell your own one? That was, it a was, false, a fluke. It was a false start. It was a fluke. false start. Oh, and, funny. and yeah, nine months of my first sale and it fell over and um, one of the agents in the office um, came to me and said I've got a buyer and negotiated a split 80% to them, 20% to me and it was my first listing. <laughs> and so got railroaded, my first deal as well, and ended up in a really sticky spot where I had 50 grand worth of credit card debt as well and um, just was in a spir- downward spiral And people used to, well, Hazley's mother-in-law and his mother used to pray that I'd make it through and um, I just had to make a decision do I really want to make this happen?
0: And um, I did. Well, there's nothing like the winds of poverty blowing up your backside to, uh, to, to motivate one, I think. Absolutely. So good. St- one of my questions was going to be, when you started, did you get it instantly? Like the it, you can see what makes this work and you, you can do it, or... Was it all passing you by, where you think the other guys are doing this? It can't be that hard. Why am I not getting it? Did yeah. it feel like that for you? I, ever? I,
1: I didn't get it, and there's a there's a get it factor, you know. Yep. You, and, and I'd make the calls. I just didn't. I, I I started to think about the end result, not about the process in between. So the end result is get their listing. Okay. Well, how am I going to do that? I'd make all these calls, and I just keep getting set setback after setback yep. after setback after setback. And it, it just got to a point where I thought, far out. Like, what? how low does your bank account have to be before you start to do the things that you know you need to do? Yeah. Um, and it was a moment where I moved home. I hadn't been at home since I was 17 and I moved home at 25, had all this debt and I went, okay, time to get serious here. Um, and so I, with the 50 grand debt, I actually had a, a loan of 22% short-term loan to cover <laughs> one debt. And um, (laughs) that got me going. And the last thing I did was I I rang my mum and I said, "Look, I know things aren't great at the moment, but can I borrow a thousand dollars?" And she's like, "What's it for?" And I said, "I need a new suit because the suit that I had had all holes through it, and I need to buy a ticket to Sydney and I'm going to fly down and see um, the best people in Sydney to see what they're doing, and I want to implement those things back into my business." And it was the best trip I've ever made in my life. And um, I, I came back with, with four learnings which I implemented in my business straight away.
0: Great. So there was an epiphany moment for you. You met somebody who could give you a bit of good guidance and you had the tenacity to do what they were telling you to do. Yep. It was, there was no, um, I'll, I'll shoot from the hip here, I'll just listen and do what these guys say and see how that goes? Well, it's, it's super simple.
1: Like it's, um, I didn't see it back then as being simple because I was just getting setback after setback. But there's a thing called, you know, having, being serious. And I think serious is one of the most underrated words in in this industry. And, you know, people come in and they think they can make a quick dollar. And there's no such thing as a quick dollar. If you want to make a quick dollar, go and be a drug dealer. But you got to, you know, you might go to jail. Mm. Whereas in this gig, it takes time and you've got to master it. Like I ask my team all of the time, when is the last time you've read an agency agreement from front to back? When is the last time you've read a contract from front to back? Do you understand what this part of the contract is like? We get paid a significant amount of money to be the real estate expert. How serious are they about this? You know, and there's there's a there's a, and I take it very, very seriously when I'm playing with someone's largest asset. And that it's really underrated and people think that it's just a commission check, but it's not. It's so much more than that. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: <coughs> when you became serious? And you use the word seriously. What did you need to change? It's a, it's a mindset rather than, than sort of a, Brian would describe it as a burning passion. You know, you, you know you need to change something, so you make the change. Is that what you call getting serious? I'm going to do this now. Okay, well, Hello, high water. Uh,
1: okay, so there's, there's heaps of factors to that. The first factor is you, you need to know what you want. And you need to know how you're going to get to what you want. And for me, what I wanted was to never be that bloke in that lunchroom, and to never have to worry about an unforeseen bill, which would stop me from doing all my family doing whatever I wanted. Yeah. And so that was a really clear thing for me. Is I always knew that I wanted to have a life and a lifestyle which I didn't have to worry about that because you know money's not money's a byproduct, um, but and it's not everything. You know, happiness is everything first, but and when people say money can't make you happy, that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> it can make you very happy because it actually relieves a lot of stresses from your life. And a lot of, the, I deal with a lot of divorce, I deal with a lot of, um, you know, sales, distressed sales. And when people are distressed financially, it's not very happy Hard to be happy. Yeah, and um, you know, if I just do what I say that I'm gonna do and I was always going to succeed. But the things that I have implemented, the structures, and the things that I learned, and it was the best trip ever, was that one of the gentlemen that I met with, and I'll never forget it, he's no longer in real estate now. Um, but he was he was instrumental in building one of the biggest brands in Australia and um, and was one of the most successful. I think his peak year, he did six and a half million in fees for the year, uh, which is pretty impressive impressive um, and he said to me there's four things you need to focus on one of them is you need to be an auction agent and the reason you need to do auctions is because you can control your business you can control the buyers you can control the outcomes you can tr- control the time timeframe um, and it's a really really good way to guarantee that you're going to get the maximum value for your vendors based on the competition at that point in time I was like okay fair second point was he was a huge advertiser. So if you went into the Wentworth Courier, he would be 20 pages before he got to his nearest competitor. And he said something to me about, it's not about um, who you know, it's about who knows you. And his business was a repeat referral business and 80% of the people that he actually met, he had no prior relationship with. And he met these people through being visual and was getting the results off the back of it. The third thing, That he said, which is my number one thing now, it's my number one priority, is having structure. So, knowing what I'm doing for every minute of the day, having blocked out allocations for time. And one of the biggest factors of the time that I allocate it for is prospecting. And, you know, prospecting is one of those things that everyone hates to do, but it's the most important thing to do because if you don't prospect, you don't list. If you don't list, you don't sell. And so, I make prospecting a really big priority in my business and I do essentially five or six two-hour sessions every single week um, and I'll make anywhere between sort of 50 and 100 calls depending a day on a good day and um, and that is my priority but everything I do from when I wake up I've got structure around you know tra- personal training I've got structure because if I don't train I think you know for me it's more of a, a mental thing for me if I don't train i i I don't like the day, I just feel, I feel yes. fresh. So I train. I trained this morning at 5.15 and was back home so my wife could go to Pilates after um, and do the swap over with the kids and I could do the breakfast and everything. Then I'm out the door, so out the door at eight. And then I've got all of my meetings preset for the day. And it's interesting, the one thing that I do now, which is the most important thing of all that has to do with the structure, is my business is completely proactive, not reactive. And what I mean by that is if I'm sitting in a prospecting session and I'm halfway through and I get a text or a call or an email from a buyer saying I want to make an offer on something, most agents straight away would drop everything they've got to do, go, and they go, they come back to the prospecting later. Whereas I wouldn't do that. I'd just keep prospecting until that prospecting session's over and then go and deal with then the offer after. To because the, the, <coughs> is the offer going to be pulled within half an hour an hour? Absolutely not. And then what happens is a, a typical agent would then go, I didn't do my 50 calls today, so what I'll do is I'll just scan it today, I'll do 100 tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and they go, oh, 100 calls, that's a lot of calls to make, I'm not gonna do that. How about I just rule out the whole of Friday and I'll do 500 calls on Friday? And it never happens and it's a vicious cycle. So you need to run a really structured business. You need to know what you're doing the day before, not just showing up on the day and going, oh, who am I gonna call today? You need to know who you're gonna call, who you're meeting, and what you want to achieve from that day. So that's a really important factor. Um, and then the fourth thing was every single agent that I know is on top of their game in the country, whether it be this guy I was talking to, whether it be the top um, people on the Gold Coast, the top people on in Brisbane, in the country, it doesn't matter. They're all extremely hard workers. And you need to make your what you do every day a priority. And, um, you know, I'm regularly in the office. I'll go home and I'll feed the kids at 5, five thirty, six o'clock at night, and then I'll be back at the office. And... Um, And I don't do that just to prove a point that I'm in there. I do it because I'm highly productive after
0: those hours and I'm getting a lot done. So, Fascinating. Um, One of my questions was going to be, would you agree that um, good real estate practice is 80% structure and 20% skill? And if that percentage is wrong, what would it be? I
1: think... um Yeah, I think a lot of it's structure. I think, you know, you've got to have an element of skill. And I love the fact that you said before, get it, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got to get real estate a little bit, you've got to get people. And I think one of the biggest underrated things is a little bit of social awareness as well and Mm -hmm. knowing whether someone's actually digging what you're saying on the phone. Like, I can hear it even if I can't hear the client on the other end of the phone, but I'll be like, oh, stop, they're not digging it. If you're having to (laughs) say that. You just end the call and well the the one thing in going back to your skill so one of the things that I do with my team and we train on a lot is it, it's all about mastery right so if you want to okay we've got lots of guys in our office that are really fit and you know and their business isn't fit but their bodies are ripped they've got six packs and they look good their guns are huge and you know yep. and um, but the problem is what they do is they know how much food they need to prepare on the Sunday. They know to the gram, how much they need to, to put out on their plate. They know how many carbs they have to have. They know when they have their protein shakes. And if they stick to that, they don't have sugar, they don't eat their <laughs> carbs right. and they don't drink alcohol. If they do that consistently for three or four weeks, they're gonna get, they get results. So there's no difference to that in real estate. Everyone knows what they need to do. Why do they focus so much on all of that and not on their business. So they should be writing a plan for their body and then a plan for their business at the same time. Like on a Sunday, why don't you write, if you're writing the plan of what you're bench pressing this week, why don't you write how many calls and who you're going to call and set the plan for the week? Because I'll tell you what, you know, when you get older, you, girls don't dig your six-pack as much as <laughs> anymore. They <laughs> dig a bit more money, That's I right. The credit card. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually mean <laughs> that. But, it's, um, but you know what, like it's... Um, it, you've got to master everything you do. And and I just think the ones that get really serious about it are the ones that actually spend time on professional development. They, you know, every year I sit down and, you know, even this is lit off track, but, you know, I was struggling with objections at one point of time where, you know, the objections in a listing presentation, I don't want to auction, your fees are too expensive, I don't want to pay for marketing, all those things. So on my fight, on my honeymoon, I wrote down every objection and, asked my wife to ask me the question, so I could try and overcome those objections because I was serious about it and she hated it, but it's like, it's I'm passionate about it. I wanted to be the best and I wanted to make sure that every part of my business is perfect. And I think that's something to do with the skill factor is most people will not go and and try to better themselves Practice. on their skill because it's what's the point of making a hundred calls a day, getting into all these appraisals and then you can't list because your listing presentation sucks. So, I don't, if you're really great on the phone you can get in the door fix your listing presentation then the same is or if you're if you're making all these calls but you're not getting in any doors, we've got to fix your dialogue and then if you're getting all these great listings and then you're not selling anything, you've got a skill issue around negotiation and maybe you're not getting enough Process. marketing so you need to get your processes right So you know we measure all of these things within our business and um, we try look, you can't be perfect at everything and I'm not by no means perfect. I learn every single day. I learn things from my team every single day. And as soon as I learn something, like you go to an ARIC or something like that, I'll go to ARIC and I'll listen intently to every single operator and what they do and tick, 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 doing that, doing that, doing that. Hey, that's a good idea. And I'll go and implement that back into my business. And the one thing with structure and and, um, implementation is everyone can write the best structured plan, but if they don't execute it, it doesn't matter and the amount of times i'll go to people people come to me in my office and say hey i did I, I worked this plan it was perfect i made all of those calls for one week and i didn't get one listing the plan doesn't work they rip up rip it up and write a new plan and by the time six months later they've been through six plans and yes. they should have just stuck to the <coughs> first one couldn't agree more thanks for listening to listen to larry make sure you like and subscribe and we hope you took something away from today's podcast You can catch the second half of Larry's chat with Matt in our next episode.